Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. Um, Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome to my crazy world. And if this isn't your first time listening, thank you for continuing on this journey with me as I chart what's going on in the world of professional wrestling. So, Per usual, I have your news and gossip-ish. There's a lot going on this week, but it's all pretty good good stuff going on. A lot of mushy stuff, but, you know, it's all good. Um, I also have a special interview and conversation with um, Revolt Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Movement's very own referee, commentator, and ring announcer, Devin Christensen. And I have a weekly recap of Raw... Um, NXT, AEW, and SmackDown, but it's going to be a little bit different because um, I was able to watch some of NXT, but not all of it, but then I was also able to watch a little bit of AEW as well, but I also had something else to recap as well in, in terms of me having a great conversation with a couple of my wrestling podcasting friends that I do want to talk about in terms of Survivor Series. We had a little bit of a Survivor Series block party that will air on Facebook Live Um on Thanksgiving Day. So if you want to check that out, please do. And I'm going to talk more about it later on in the segment. So sit back, relax, and listen to this amazing episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast, your favorite chill, positive, and passionate vibe. Right, so we're gonna start with this news and gossip ish. So we're gonna start by talking about Alexa Bliss and Ryan Cabrera getting engaged this past weekend. Um, we're gonna send a congratulations to them for that first of all, because this is a podcast that believes in love, and this couple has been really cute. You know, over the past year, they got together. Um, they started talking to each other like last year, and just this weekend, um, they posted about how he proposed to her. It looked like in a private restaurant or something. It looked like they were either outside or inside a private restaurant or something like that. But um, she, it looked like in the video that they both posted on Instagram that he was saying something really sweet to her. And then she starts, you know, sort of crying. And then he gets down on one knee and proposes to her. And she, of course, says yes. So congratulations to them. Um, Ryan Cabrera, if you know or may not know, is a rock um, singer. Um, I would say probably an icon at this point, you know, in the rock atmosphere and he was really happy to be in a relationship with somebody like her and he said um the following about being in a relationship with someone like her and it was just super sweet um he basically said i am the luckiest man in the world i'm going to marry the kindest sweetest funniest most thoughtful brilliant woman i have ever met in my life the only other woman i know that has the exact same qualities as my mother who is perfect in my eyes the best day i've ever had in my 38 years on this planet to date i love you always and forever lex people will always have their opinions but love in all caps will always conquer and that's how i choose to live my life And that was just so sweet. So congratulations to them um, for being engaged. And really all Alexa Bliss, you know, responded with was I love you. And that was just really sweet. Also, um, in the rumor mill for the whole gossip-ish component, 
Um, there's a rumor from Ringside News that Aaliyah Mysterio and Murphy are supposed to be having a wedding on SmackDown at some point because, of course, you know, you have that storyline that um, trickled over onto SmackDown from Raw when they got moved during the draft where Murphy was getting close to Seth Rollins and now has started a rivalry with him and decided and they also decided to go all in on the love story between Aaliyah Mysterio and Murphy, who's now gained acceptance into the Mysterio's family and now what they're you know insinuating is the fact that maybe somewhere down the line they're going to tease or possibly do a wwe wedding where maybe he might turn on the family but who knows i hope he doesn't turn on the family simply because of the fact that he just got in their good graces and it would kind of make no sense for him to turn on them when he just turned on seth and they actually had a stellar match tonight on smackdown by the way but i'll talk about that a little bit later but it would kind of make no sense for him to turn on the mysterio family after he just earned their good graces plus not to mention i do want to see a wedding (laughs) since they're going all in on this couple thing i do kind of want to see a wedding between them because i just love wwe weddings in fact i just love weddings period i feel like the least favorite wedding that wwe's had that i didn't like was just between lana and bobby lashley that wedding was absolute trash that was a whole lot it was like a dumpster fire of trash and I don't normally like calling stuff trash but that really was kind of hard to look at but every other WWE wedding I've tended I've tended to enjoy um so it's been a while since we've seen one of those so I would really love to see a hot mess WWE wedding take place on TV also in the news we have Becky Lynch share her um, maternity photos with Seth Rollins on her Instagram and she only shared it with the caption coming soon but if you look in the picture you see all of her orange hair has been sort of grown out you know more for her brunette style which is absolutely gorgeous looks like a mixture of brunette and blonde and she had lots of beautiful clothes on by this black female designer and someone you know tweeted about it and i thought it was really cool that she did that um Because she had on this beautiful lacy red dress while Seth Rollins kind of had on these suits or whatever. But they looked really beautiful. They looked happy. They looked in love. And she looks like she is about to have this baby, you know, any day now. So, again, big congratulations to them and their, you know, growing family. It's going to be really cool. So I'm pretty sure at some point Seth is going to have to, you know, take a break from television to be there and support, you know, Becky as she prepares to give birth. But I do recommend you do go on Instagram and see these pictures because they are absolutely stunning and gorgeous also um in terms of baby news john moxley who used to be dean ambrose in wwe but is now the aew world champion um and his wife renee paquette other all otherwise known as renee young from wwe is expecting a baby as well and he announced it on aew during his promo um on aew dynamite and Renee said on Twitter that she wasn't initially planning on, you know, it coming out on television. But since he had came out with it there, she decided to, to go ahead and, you know, go with the idea of them, you know, discussing it and revealing it now more so than later. So congratulations to them. It just seems like there's just so much love and baby fever in the air. And I think they're going to make the coolest parents ever. So congratulations to them. There's so much love in, in the air. Um also in the news we have the new day and how they announced that they've been featured in the video game gears of war i am not the biggest video game person i'm only i'm only exposed to as much video game stuff um from my boyfriend because he's a gamer 
but I don't think I've, I don't, he's never really played Gears of War around me, but I saw this on the New Day, on, on each member of the New Day's Instagram accounts where they talked about how they're featured as characters in, in um, the game. And it seemed like the armor that they was wearing was definitely colorful like a lot of their outfits are. And it had their faces, you know, superimposed, you know, upon these characters and they looked amazing. And plus not to mention they have merchandise that they're selling that has them that has those characters on there as well so it seems like there's really truly nothing that the new day can't do at this point along with facing um the street profits at um survivor series this sunday they're featured in video games they're doing all kinds of stuff for the um naacp and raising money for um police reform and stuff like that with their t-shirts for their protest on smackdown a couple months ago and of course there's up up down down it just seems like there's absolutely nothing that the new day can't do and i feel like they should be considered one of the best factions if not the best faction or the most one of the most successful factions in the entire history of wrestling period i saw a picture floating around um on facebook talking about you know should they be considered the greatest faction in wwe history and a lot of people said no but i would argue maybe and maybe they should be you know considered in a top five if you can think of any that could be in a top five so because you really just can't you know erase their success as a whole like you really just can't overlook it you know and it's just they just do so much inside of wrestling and outside of wrestling that just matters and they represent you know another they represent a bunch of black you know people or black men who are into so many different things you know not even just in wrestling but also in video gaming and stuff like that and also just in regular and also representing black culture as well so congratulations to the new day on every bit of success that they're going to get and that they're continuously getting even now and lastly we have um well actually not lastly because i have one more story to talk about after this one um wwe um won an award for their no makeup photo shoot so if you remember a couple of months ago i talked about how the how some of the wwe female superstars got together and did this photo shoot where a lot of them had no makeup on it was bianca belair it was dana brooke rhea ripley carmella um Io Shirai, Ruby Riot and Sasha Banks, I believe Charlotte as well. They participated in this photo shoot where they were all, you know, barefaced with no makeup. And I talked about in one of my episodes how it's a great representation of, you know, not falling under the beauty standards that, you know, so many women feel like they face, you know, on a regular basis. Well, for this photo shoot, WWE won a best in sports awards at the Shorty Social Social Good Awards. So congratulations to them for that, because that was just a really nice photo shoot. So if you want to go back or Google those pictures, I really suggest that you do, because um, it's like you see these women get glammed up on television all the time with all their various looks but it's definitely different to see these women without makeup because you're able to see them you know as you know regular women you know every day who just like me 
don't necessarily wear makeup or have a beat face or whatever, you know, but yet you show up in the world, you know, as you are and, and to show the beauty of as you are, you know, without anything extra. So that was really cool. And also to tie into beauty standards, Jade Cargill, who made her debut on AEW a couple weeks, well, two, two weeks ago, um, she was in an interview on the AEW podcast with Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards, who's a referee in AEW. And she talked about how China, the um, Hall of Famer in the WWE, was inspirational, you know, to her as someone trying to embrace the muscles on her body. Um, she basically sat down on the AEW Unrestricted podcast and talked about China empowering her and giving her more confidence. And she was quoted by saying, growing up, I've always been muscular and I used to always get picked on by guys saying, oh, she looks like a man, she's too muscular. And I remember growing up and watching China and seeing how she just embodied and just loved how she looked. And it just did nothing but empower me and make me say, you know what, I look good, these muscles look great. And I thought this was really poignant of her to say because the first time I saw Jade a couple weeks ago, I thought she was absolutely stunning looking. Like she looked like a beautiful chocolate doll. <laughs> and I just couldn't stop staring at her because not only was she beautiful in the face, just like her entire body is just, you know, carved to perfection with all the muscles that she has. And she, st and she still very, very much looks you know, feminine, but with you being on television and being a woman, you know, if you have almost as many muscles or more muscles in a dude, a lot of dudes will say ignorant things, you know, and say, oh, you look like a man. And, you know, oh, I'm pretty sure you had, you know, some type of surgery to make you look like a woman, but deep down inside you're a man. And that's the most ignorant thing you could ever say, because number one, it makes you seem like you're not as understanding of women looking a different sort of way other than what you feel like they should look like um and number two it also shows that you're threatened you could very well be threatened by someone or a woman who is just as athletic if not if not more athletic than you and then third of all is it gives off the impression that you might not be as sensitive to people who might have had surgery to transition into something that they feel they are inside and I am a pro do whatever makes you feel happy person um so whenever you say stuff like that to come off as a bully or you make a woman feel like how she looks naturally or athletically isn't good enough then that makes you a different type of trash person and you really need to sit down and shut that and shut up <laughs> <laughs> like I almost went there but you really just need to just shut up and just leave people alone and let let women be who they are and if they're muscular then let them be beautiful and muscular and if they're athletic let them be beautiful and athletic um how about you just you know take it as inspiration to do better in your own life as opposed to just tearing people down and that's all I really have to say about that. And I wish nothing but success for Jade Cargill because she is tearing it up on AEW. And I'm going to talk about that um, a little bit later as well. Um, and I talked about it on my last episode too. I really like Jade Cargill. She's cool. And that's the end of News and Gossipish. And now we're going to go to our interview with wrestling extraordinary, with wrestling ring announcer, referee, and commentator, Devin Christensen. Thank you.
welcome to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. It's good to have you. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to start by asking you the question that I asked um, all of my guests to come on my show. And that's, when did you fall in love with wrestling? Um, well, for me, I think it really started back when I was a, a little child sitting in front of this old tube television. Um, a lot of people don't know what the tube television is. It's those TVs had rabbit ears attached to them and you <laughs> tuned the channel on the you didn't have a remote control. You had these little two little knobs on the TV and you had to tune it and you had to change the channel. All my older folks are going to understand and the younger people are going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? Um, wow. I used to sit in front of that television and watch uh, wrestlers like Paul Orndorff, um, Hulk Hogan, Iron Sheik, Andre the Giant. Um, and I think I was about maybe four or five at the time. Um, that was when I first started watching wrestling. But I think at the point in time when I really uh, thought to myself, hey, I would love to be in this industry was when back in the 90s, the late 80s, early 90s, when I was watching Shawn Michaels, um, Bret Hart. Um, Shawn Michaels was my absolute favorite at the time. And uh, I just fell in love with the sport at that time. And, and I thought to myself, well, I've got to find a way into this business. Um, and so that that was really the start for me. Okay, I think it's, I think it's really cool that you mentioned Shawn Michaels because he's actually one of my favorites as well. Like, yeah, he is absolutely phenomenal. He is an inspiration for so many. If you look at... And, I hate that it is overused in the industry today, but I love the fact that it's kind of like honoring him. But there are just so many people out there using a variant of the super kick or sweet chin music, as Sean called it. Yeah. Um, and mm. it's throughout. Oh, I don't know if you heard that. Uh, but um, it, there's so many people using some sort of variant of his finish. I think it's overused today. Um, to an extent, we see it in just about every single wrestling match you watch, but it's because so many people grew up loving and watching Shawn Michaels. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Like, yeah, it's just the fact, I think it's just a testament to his, um, overall impact, um, on the sport as a whole. And plus he just seems like an amazing person as well. So I'll think, I think I'll just always admire him and his, you know, greatness in the ring, but also just his greatness as a person and how he's evolved um, and stuff. So I want to ask you, what exactly happened in your life to make you sort of pursue it as a career going forward? Well, I've always loved it, but um, I'd say about this, this journey for me kind of started about four, four years ago when... I was at a wrestling event and uh, I, I was doing photography for other things and, and working in film and television. And I went to a wrestling show with a buddy of mine who's a stuntman in films. He invited me out to a wrestling show with a friend of mine who ran a promotion, or a friend of his that ran a promotion. And um, I went to the show and I really enjoyed it. And I, I, it was a local promotion um, and I enjoyed it. And I started... Uh, I decided, you know what? I just want to take some photos of the event. And, you know, I gave that a 
memory card to the promoter. I did a little editing on the photos, gave it to him. And, um, then I, I really started my journey kind of inward towards working in this business by just doing photos. I, I wasn't, um, and, and it's kind of funny because I remember a story similar to this one when it comes to Paul Heyman. Um, and he talked about being a photographer and, um, that's how I got my start. I was not a licensed photographer. I was not somebody who was paid or hired to be there. I was just someone who loved the sport and did it for for the boys and the, and the girls and the and, or the boys and the women in the locker room. Um, and that's why I did it. And that's how I got my real start into this business. Okay, so in terms of you did mention how you sort of got into it with photography. So how exactly did you get into ring announcing and also refereeing and commentating as well as that? Because it seems like you're incredibly well-rounded and you could run or probably do a whole show yourself with all of that experience. Well, this is, it's funny because it all started with actually an argument and a fight. Uh, oh, not, wow. not like a fist fight, but kind of like a disagreement to an extent with another photographer. Um, I was working a show, I actually paid to work a show with another photographer. He and I developed a pretty good relationship and we would travel from show to show to show. Um, well, this particular time, now I had a photo printer, one of those uh, Kodak photo, not Kodak, um, Canon photo printers, right? The little portable. Mm -hmm. So I call, um, he's trying to reach the promoter uh, and I, I'm trying to get into contact with the promoter about getting my, uh, what do we need? How much more photo paper do I need? How much more ink do I need? Um, and the promoter calls me back instead of calling the other photographer back, which apparently was an ego thing for the other photographer. He did not like that. He did not appreciate that, that instead of the promoter reaching out to him, who's been doing this a lot longer than me, the promoter reached out to me, which in all fairness, it was my equipment. So, so nobody's going to be able to talk to them about what I need to buy for my equipment, except for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so he got upset about that. Well, later on during the show, I'm doing printing of photos that we took earlier the night. Um, we did in-ring photos with wrestlers and we print them up and then we would uh, oh. give them to the uh, fans who would buy them. So I get word from the locker room, from one of the boy locker room, that the other photographers in the locker room talking I don't know if you can curse on here, but I'm not going to do it. Talking crap. <laughs> um, he was talking crap about me in the locker room. And I found out about that. And it, it, it really ticked me off. So I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to sell my merch. And I was working his merch table. That's the funny thing. As a photographer, he had some merch, some photos and things he was selling. I had some masks and things I was selling. So at that very moment, I decided I am no longer going to help him by selling his merchandise. So, so I'm at his table with my merchandise doing my thing. We also had another guy there who was doing commentary, who's a friend of ours. So I get this word. The comment, uh, Our friend who's doing commentary decides. Now, he does independent commentary. It wasn't for the promotion. So he asked me, he said, hey, how about you do commentary with me for a couple matches? So I said, sure. 
So we do one match of commentary. I did uh, color commentary. He did play-by-play commentary. Um, we played really well off of each other, I felt. And um, I did very well, I felt, as far as what I did with what limited knowledge I had for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, I did one match. It was uh, Gold Dog versus Golden Simon Phillips. Um at Pro Wrestling 225. And I did the commentary, and then they went to um, intermission. When they went to intermission, the other photographer starts talking to the commentator, and we all rode in together. So next thing you know, the commentator is telling me, hey, bud, um, he, he, he doesn't want me doing commentary with you. He doesn't want me doing anything with you, and blah, blah, blah. So that furthers along me getting upset mm-hmm. um, winding down to the end of the story here i knew one of the wrestlers since i rode with him i have i now have to find an alternate way to get back to the city because we were like two and a half hours away so i spoke with one of the uh wrestlers female talent who i knew was going to be going back the same way i came from so i said hey do you have enough room with you can i ride with you back she said no problem um at the end of the show, I packed up all my stuff. I left his stuff at the table, didn't even touch his stuff, packed up all my equipment, um, started to head out the door uh, with all my equipment and was going to her vehicle. Now, at this point, now I'm at, I'm going to ask you if I can curse for this one, because this re- kind of requires it. Um, I would prefer if you did okay. it. <laughs> I'm going to bleep it out. All right. So as I'm walking to the, her car, the photographer sees me with my bag walking to her car. Now he's got this picture that uh, an artist drew of him for him. And it's a framed photo and everything. And when he sees me walk into this car, he becomes upset for some reason. Like he didn't know that he had done something wrong to me. So he slams down this photo and goes, way to be a road dog, mother. Bleep. Oh, wow. So, so I just turned back and I didn't I didn't want to further anything, any issues. I didn't want to create any issues because I'm new, new to doing anything in this business. So I don't want to burn any bridges or, or take anybody off. So all I did was turn back and say, you have a great day, have safe travels, and see you never. You know? Right. <laughs> I told him that and I'm on this car ride back with her and these two other guys. These two guys are training at a local wrestling school near me, um, Elevate Pro Wrestling Training School, uh, as they call it, the Elevate Performance Center. Um, and we get to talking on the way back. And it just came up that they were asking me if I'd be interested in training. Um, and I, I knew personally, there's no way in hell I'm going to train to be a wrestler because I'm beyond all that at this point in this age, which, you know, I could still probably do it if I get to the right shape, but that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's off the cards for me. But I said, you know what? Yeah, I would absolutely love to get into training and get into the feel of what pro wrestling really is and get to know the people. So after that. I talked to the promoter running the school and next thing you know, I was at the training facility and I threw myself all in 
Um, I didn't really hold back any. I did everything that everyone else did. I pushed myself. I pushed my limits. And now, four years later, here I am. Wow, it's a pretty amazing story as to how you got into all of that. And it's so funny because I was actually going to ask you, had you ever thought about, you know, an in-ring career at some point? But you basically answered that question. But you never know. One day you could, you know, wind up like DDP because he started he started relatively um, late, you know, in terms of age. But he still wound up doing a good job. So you just never know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But that's a really amazing story. It's a lot. It was a lot going on in it, but it was really interesting. So um, I wanted to ask you, like, do you have how do the fans in the independent wrestling circle sort of treat you? And if you have like a following? Well, I would say I I would say that they have been very, very good to me. I have uh, as a referee, we always get the same interaction no matter what we do for the most part. Um, people want to see us get hit and hurt for some odd reason. We, we do absolutely nothing wrong sometimes. And, you know, we try to go down the, down the line by the rules and and call it down the middle, but we always get that chant of hit the ref for some unknown reason. Oh my Um, gosh. But, but we do have those moments when like after us during intermission or after a show when fans will reach out and, and I do too. And I've only had like a few fans ask to take photos of me and, and that's the way it should be. There shouldn't be a lot of fans there uh, or there shouldn't really be any fans there to see a referee. Um, but the fans do notice our work. Um, there was a show I was working not too long ago when I was doing commentary and um the referees in the ring uh, weren't, I, I don't know how to put this in a polite way. Um, they weren't doing a very good job. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of sloppy. Um, and I just, I sat there doing commentary and I was just like, I, I don't, I can't take this. <laughs> so, um, I hopped back up. I put on my my. Uh, I told the the workers because we were at the main event of the night. I told the workers working the main event. I said, "Listen, guys, are you are you guys cool with me refing?" They were like, "Hell yeah!" So <laughs> so I I always keep my gear with me because that's a carnal rule in the in the industry. Bring your gear everywhere, all of your gear. If you're a ring announcer, bring your suit. If you're a commentary, bring your suit. If you're if you're a, a referee as well, bring your ref gear. Bring whatever. So I hopped into my ref gear, and um, as soon as I walked out the curtain, there were actually wrestlers in the audience. There were uh, that popped as soon as they saw me, um, because when you watch something of a lesser value or lesser quality, um, when you see something that you know is going to be good, it gets you excited, um, and that's kind of what happened there. These fans had already known. Uh, what I do and, and they pay attention to what I do and the workers who were in the audience uh, that night they were happy to see someone who was they knew was gonna help the product um, especially for the the main event of the night um, and for me that was a lot of fun to hear and and feel the audience reaction to just me a referee um, 
a lot of the times we think they don't notice or they don't care, but when you have moments like that, it really helps you to understand that even though you're a small part, well, not really a small part, um, but in the eyes of the fans, a small part of the match, the fans still recognize it and they, they recognize what you do. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, so I want to ask, how do you feel about the direction of wrestling in 2020? I know a lot has changed with the current situation that basically the world is dealing with. But I want to know, like, how do you feel, you know, about wrestling going forward in comparison to how it was in the past? And um, is there anything that you've noticed, you know, if you watch wrestling, whether on television or even in the independent circuit, like how has it changed, you know, for you and how you see it? Um, I would say that it's it's changed the way a lot of people um, look at it, not just myself, but a lot of people, because when when you have a situation like and it's starting to come back where you can have fans now and you can. But when you have a situation like where you have to work shows where there are absolutely no fans, there's no one there to applaud. There's no one there to, to, to really feed off of and get that adrenaline and that emotion from. Um, it really puts into perspective exactly how Im- important of a factor the fans really play. It's, it's not just that fans are there to watch or to see a show. But they're also a huge part of that show. Um, when you were watching WWE when it, it uh, all this first started and you didn't hear any fan reaction. You didn't hear anything. You didn't see anything. It, it Especially like, let's say, WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, it took away a whole lot from the show. It, it took away a huge part of the show because even when you're watching at home, and you hear that audience reaction and you feel the atmosphere, even through your television, it's a big part of it. And it helps hype the the at-home audience up. It helps hype the wrestlers, the, the everyone in production up. It's, it's a huge adrenaline rush to have those people in that audience. And I think moving forward in um, into 2021, that there's more of an appreciation for that. In the, in the wrestling industry today um, amongst the workers, amongst the production crew, amongst, amongst everyone to really just know exactly what it truly means to have an audience and to have a fan base. Yes, I completely understand where you're coming from because there's a level of energy that is missing um, with the audience sort of not being there. Of course, you know, out of safety precautions, but it was a bit of an adjustment, you know, for me, you know, watching it without an audience because for as long as I can remember, you know, since I was a child, you always had an audience there. And for the very first time, there wasn't one. And it's just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> it's almost like you feel it was it's all, it was almost like just air in, in a room and there was no other people except the people working. Yeah. But, you know, I do commend, you know, shows and including WWE for, you know, still going forward to try to continue to give us some form of entertainment in the midst of everything that was happening. It's like everybody else was canceled for a period of time, but they weren't. 
And they were still trying to give us something, you know, to love and something to still enjoy in the midst of all of this. And then with independent shows, I can only imagine, well, I've talked to other independent wrestlers since I've started this podcast and they talk about how different, you know, and how hard it had been of, of an adjustment to not wrestle as much. And then gradually, once they were allowed to wrestle again and they had a few fans there, it's like they felt like there was a, a sense of normalcy that had come back, but not so much so to the point to where it's like normal like it used to be. And as a fan, I do miss going to live shows because here in Birmingham, um, Alabama, um, WWE would come at least once a year, sometimes twice. And for the first time, like no wrestling show has been here and it has been heck because <laughs> I miss it so much and I miss the camaraderie of it. But, you know, I hope that one day it, everything will be back to normal again. So has it affected you? How's it ha- how has it affected how you've worked um, this year? Um, really, uh, once the coronavirus thing started, um, I was only working uh, a few promotions throughout this state and other states. Um, my main promotion was Elevate Pro Wrestling. Uh, the last show I worked was um, Pro Wrestling Movement, which is the company I'm with now. Um, and I was doing, I was the main ring announcer for Revolt Pro Wrestling out in Florida and Alabama Um, and I did a few things with some shows in Mississippi but everything came to a screeching halt um, when coronavirus hit just every promotion kind of I mean they were trying to do the most they could like still training and still trying to run you know do a, a few filmings and things like that um but eventually the commission um in louisiana put a stop to all even filming uh on closed sets they they wow. stopped even that so the commission really and here's where it gets interesting because the commission really has a whole lot of control over professional wrestling on the independent circuit where they're in states where there are commissions um revolt pro wrestling as a result of everything i think sold the comp the, the promoter sold the company um so that put me you know a little bit of a setback but i, I mean it's it is what it is i'll just you know we'll move forward and, and see what happens from here on out um elevate pro wrestling they kind of uh they they did a few tapings on closed sets before the commission shut everything down again um pro wrestling 225 uh did a couple of tapings but now they're running most of their shows in mississippi or texas um in states where they'll let them run a show you know um Mm -hmm. i've got a show coming up uh january 30th which will be the first show I will have worked since the coronavirus, uh, since the beginning of this. Um, and that will be with Battle Zone Championship Wrestling. Um, and I just I can't wait because it's going to be my first show back in a very long time. I've still kept up with some of my training and, and getting in the ring and, and trying to get my keep some form of a ring shape because 
all this downtime hasn't really helped out with <laughs> mm-hmm. myself in, in a good condition or a good weight uh, schedule. So now I've got to really push myself to get back to where I was before all of this kind of started. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, I want to ask if, as a commentator and a ring announcer, do you have to memorize facts about wrestlers on a constant basis? Uh, for ring announcing, it, it's fairly simple because all I really have to do is get with the guys, figure out exactly, um, guys and girls, get figure out exactly what they want from me uh, as far as an announcer and just give it my all for them. Um, some people when it comes to, and, and every commentator has their own way about them. Every ring announcer has their own way about them. For me, when I'm doing ring announcing, I try to do my best to, to keep my level at the same, whether they're a heel or they're a baby face. Um, some people prefer to give the, ba- the baby face more of an oomph when they're doing their announcing. Um, and that's completely fine, but I, I prefer to keep it at the same level, whether they're heel, whether they're face. Um, and then on commentary, yes, um, it's a lot of communication with the athletes and with the promoters and, and just everybody. It, it's you have to take a ton of notes, mark a ton of things down. You have to have a clear path of what you're trying, what the promotion is trying to get done what you're trying to convey to the audience what what we really what type of story we're telling here um it's it's a whole lot more that goes into it than just sitting there and looking at what's happening in the ring and calling it based on that you're also telling a story not just that the audience or or that the promotion wants you to tell but also that the athlete wants you to tell as well, because they may have some accolades or things that they've accomplished in their career that they would really like the audience to know about. Um, and you have to try to cram all of that sometimes into a little five minute or 10 minute match. So, and then you've got somebody else there with you that they've got to do their part of it. So, you really have to find a way to make everything that everyone wants come together in a very short period of time. Wow. See, I'm glad I asked that question because, you know, from the outside looking in, you you think it wouldn't, you almost think that commentators kind of just know this off the top of their head because they're just good. But then to know that it actually takes a whole lot of work you know that's that's really fascinating to hear and it makes me feel like a giant like I feel like a nerd now (laughs) (laughs) knowing that it actually takes that much work to actually do like that is amazing like I'm like I'm a knowledge like I'd love to eat knowledge so that would just that would be like the best thing um for me we do it on the fly sometimes like out there have been times when i've been sitting at a commentary table and i literally have my phone underneath the table and i google something like at elevate pro wrestling we had a champion who had um been the longest reigning champion with us he had held the title for oh i don't know how many i think it was a little over a year um so what i did is i googled 
um, a list while I'm sitting there at the commentary table. I Googled a list of longest rating champions throughout all of pro wrestling and all of history. Um, and I think I came up with that he was ranked number sixth for longest reigning um, champions or, or longest title reigns in professional wrestling history. Um, so sometimes we even find out these things while we're sitting at a table because it just pops into our heads. Hey, wouldn't this be some interesting knowledge? You know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to ask, do you have any aspirations to pursue a career um, in with a mainstream company like WWE, AEW, or Impact, or the like? I would absolutely love to work with um, a number of the companies. Um I think for me personally, uh, if it were up to me, which I know it's not going to be up to me at the end of the day, um, but if I had the opportunity to sign any number of those contracts and and get any offer, um, I would say I would probably want to go with AEW Mm -hmm. um, personally because of the way the company is and the way that it's run. Um, And plus the stories I've listened to I've read a lot of books and I've listened to a lot of audio books from um, wrestlers, commentators, ring announcers, and there are some books out there. And, and, and if you really get into the details of what uh, some companies are really like behind the scenes, um, you kind of get a great understanding of who you would rather work for just through the stories and, and the way that you learn about the behind the scenes workings of, of certain companies. Um, so for me, listening to like uh, Justin Roberts' audiobook and um, Jim Ross's most recent audiobook, um, hearing the stories that they tell kind of tell me that the right direction for me and the right path for me, if, if I was given the opportunity, would be uh, AEW, possibly Impact Wrestling. Um, I mean, I, w- I would, I'll work any, any promotion, really. I absolutely love what I do, and I'll go anywhere in the country, any promotion to work. Um, and it's just, it's about how I'm going to feel at that promotion. Because I don't want to feel like I'm not wanted. I don't want to feel like I'm being stepped on. I want to feel like my input means something. I want to feel like what I'm doing means something, and that the company actually cares about its people. Um and that's going to be the first and foremost thing on my list of what I would like out of a company. Okay, I respect that. Um, what lessons would you say you've learned during your time in wrestling? Would they be life lessons or just lessons about wrestling? Um, many, many in all aspects. Um, I think... The single most important lesson I learned as a referee was always bring a second pair of pants. Um, <laughs> when when you have those moments in, uh, I had a show where I was refing a match and my pants ripped uh, in the back. And then I'm, no one noticed, gratefully. No one noticed except me. And uh, when I got to the back, I'm, I'm scurrying around looking for something I can use. And one of the athletes happened to have a pair of black uh, workout pants he had. And I I asked him, I said, are you gonna wear those to the ring? And he was like, no, 
I was like, cool, can I use them? He was like, what happened? And I showed him my pants, and he was like, oh, okay. So the rest of the show, I'm working with black uh, workout pants, and nobody really noticed either. Um, so that's that's one of the, the best lessons. Um, and also just out of life lessons, just how you treat people and how you interact with people because there are so many things and so many big things going on in the pro wrestling industry with lights being shined on sexual harassment, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really speaks volumes on how we should treat people in everyday life, not just in business itself. Um, this is a very much primarily male dominated sport for now. And I say for now, because women are becoming more and more of a forefront for professional wrestling. Um, and, and I think that's a great thing because women's wrestling had been held down and, and uh, just kept to nothing more than eye candy and, and, and based on attractiveness as opposed to actual uh, ability in ring. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that it's changing now and, and the way we look at women's wrestling is changing now. But you still hear that. Um, if I'm in the audience, I'll still hear men say things or, or you know, and you you just know that it's it's the same banter that's been going on for ages, but we can only hope to change not just the the look at it, but just the overall way we treat women in this industry. Um I think that that's a big step that we need to take to move forward to no longer looking at it as a man's sport, but looking at it as a sport overall for anyone um, and treating everyone the way we would want to be treated ourselves. Right. I stand for all of that. You are absolutely correct because I feel like this year has definitely, I feel like all around, but definitely in wrestling has been a year of, um, has been a year of revealing people in their character. And it's just, and in revealing and in knowing, you know, how people actually are, it's just a matter of, it makes you want to push for treating people a whole lot better, a whole lot more than you may have you know it may be something that you may have tried to do in the past but it definitely makes you want to try harder to do it now with the way that some people have been treated even in wrestling and i definitely appreciate your um your viewpoint on that so we're going to switch gears again and i'm going to ask you who are some of your favorite wrestlers now whether they be male or female um i would say probably one of my absolute favorites uh, in more recent history has been AJ Styles, um, mm-hmm. Randy Orton. Um, I have to say that those are two of the absolute best, and and they they really elevate everyone that they work with. Um, they're not just there for themselves; um, they're there for the the guy across the ring from them. Um, in matches like Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles back in New Japan, you really got a, a view of what pro wrestling can be in the future. And um, looking at people, uh, especially in, in like in uh, TNA and 
well not TNA anymore Impact and um, and also AEW AEW is is taking a huge stance for everyone and I, I congratulate them on that it's not just about the guys who are the big names it's about anyone who steps into that ring and, and steps into comes through those doors which is great but as far as my favorite goes there I would probably have to say Cody is going to be on the top of my list. And it's not just because of performance, it's because of his character. Um, You really see a lot of his character and I hear a lot of ridicule for him with the TNT championship when he was doing the open challenges. People were like, well, why is he just bringing in these guys to job them out? And from the fans, you hear that, but you have to realize that he was bringing these guys in not to job them out, not to book them to beat them. He was bringing them in to showcase what they could offer. Because if he wanted to bring them in and bury them, he could have done what we've seen uh, companies like WWE do to, to local talent for decades. Where they bring them in, they're in the ring for no more than 30 seconds to a minute, and it's a squash match. Mm-hmm. Cody didn't do that. Cody brought these guys in put him on a title opportunity nonetheless and worked matches with them five minutes 10 minute matches with these guys to really showcase what they had to an audience that they would not have been able to showcase to outside of that so he's one of my absolute favorites i'll have to say uh as far as female athletes go sasha banks is up there um She's one that you you really can see how how passionate she is about the business every time she steps into that ring. Um, Charlotte Flair is, and, and this has been said by many of my friends. I I kind of feel somewhat similar, but not to that extent. But they say that she is the best wrestler in this business today, hands down. Um, whether it be male, whether it be female, a lot of people are saying that she is the best in the business today. Um, and I, I have to say she she has got a lot of accomplishments. She is a phenomenal athlete. Becky Lynch, uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, these, these three, I, I, I would have to say, probably are the benchmark for women's wrestling right now. Um, and character development in uh, in-ring capabilities, they just they are very well-rounded individuals. Right. I actually like a lot of your favorites, and definitely I agree with you in terms of the women, um, especially how you mentioned Sasha Banks first, because she is actually my favorite, and I and I will go down saying that she's the greatest female. Um, in-ring competitor ever and I know it could be fought about <laughs> because you did mention Charlotte and she's great too and Becky Lynch is amazing as well but I just feel like Sasha is the greatest um, <laughs> but I am proud of the work that um, all three of them and including Bailey, have done um, in terms of women's wrestling and I'm just really proud of 
um, any women's wrestler, period. Like, I'm just an advocate for women's wrestling as a whole because I remember growing up and watching the women just sort of have these eye candy type matches to see it grow. And to see it grow so gradually and so naturally into what it is now has just been nothing short of a blessing. So, it's it's just been fantastic. Um, So, I also, so I'm going to ask you, what do you believe the future holds for you, Devin? Um, well, honestly, I can say that I hope um, that I will have a long career in this uh, business and that I will be doing this for a long time coming. Um, and I, I do hope that one day I'll get a call up to one of the major companies. Um, if it never happens, it never happens, but hopefully it does. Uh, and I just want to see myself on a stage working with people that I absolutely love to be around and love to work with. That's the only real thing that I want out of this business is to work with people who are great people in and out of the business. Okay. Well, Devin, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. And I've enjoyed talking to you. Um, if there's any social media handles that you want to, you know, use to sort of put yourself over, you can do that now. And if there's anything you've got coming up that you want to tell the people or listeners about, then go ahead and do that now as well. All right. So, well, first and foremost, thank you very much for having me on and, and uh, working with me here and, um, I'm definitely interested in if ever you want to have me back on, I would love to do that. Um, and the, the only thing I could really say right now is, um, January 30th, 2021 battle zone championship wrestling will be in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Um, we, are looking forward to having an amazing show. They got some amazingly talented people, faces that you'll even see on AEW um, Dark right now. They will be there at Battlezone Championship Wrestling um, January 30th in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So check it out. Um, hopefully you'll be able to be there. You're not too far. You're in Alabama. So right. make the trek. <laughs> Come on down. Come see us at Battlezone. This is going to be my first time working with this promotion. I'm extraordinarily excited to, to debut. Okay. Um, so thank you so much for coming on my show. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, Devin Christensen. Alright, so now we're going to start our weekly recaps and we're going to start with Raw. This was the go-home Raw before Survivor Series and a lot happened and we're just going to discuss it and go all the way through. And we're going to start with our women. So the women, you had um, a, a, a six-woman tag match between Asuka, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke versus Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, the women's tag team champions, and Lana. And this was really interesting because I was wondering when the show came on, like, why is it that Lana is teaming up with these people who have done nothing but torment her and crash her through announce tables and all of the above. But yet this is happening. So, yeah. And it also freaked me out. You know, I think it freaks me out 
during this Survivor Series, you know, build up where we're showing the Raw teams, you know, fighting amongst each other. I think that kind of frustrates me to a certain degree because I'm just sort of like, yo, like you guys should be coming together instead of fighting each other. But um, whatever. So Lana, you know, tried to do her best in this match to get in on the action. But Shayna and Nia just kept undermining her and kept talking down to her the whole match. And it was so sad. Um, so basically Nia and ba and Shayna basically injured Mandy Rose in this match. You know, they injured her elbow by running her into the steel steps. And then, um, they dominated Oscar and Dana Brooke most of the time. But then finally Lana found a way to get in on the action, tagged herself in and tried to pin Oscar, but she kicked out. And then, um, she got trapped in the Oscar lock to force a submission. So Lana wound up tapping out and, um, and Oscar, Dana Brooke, and Mandy Rose wound up winning the match, even though Mandy couldn't celebrate with them because she was very, she was still very much injured. And then Naya, after the match, you know, faked like she had respect for Lana for, you know, going through with it and actually still trying to put up a fight against Oscar. But then she grabbed her and then um, slammed her with the Samoan drop through the announce table for the ninth time in a row. And it was so sad. And then afterward, um, we had a segment involving Reckoning from Retribution, a.k.a. Mia Yim, um, attacking Dana Brooke as she was trying to explain um, what happened to Mandy Rose and what the extent of her injuries were. But then after that attack happened and after, you know, Lana, well, not, not Lana, but after Dana Brooke got beat up and stuff, Adam Pierce announced that, well, not Adam Pierce, but Charlie Caruso announced that Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans will be replacing um Dan will be replacing Dana Brooke and Rose for um the Survivor Series match for Team Raw and this kind of felt a little bit disappointing because a lot of people on Twitter were thinking oh well this was sort of a setup for whoever for Charlotte or for Naomi to sort of come back and be like the strong um, base for Team Raw, but this wound up not happening, and they were going with the women that they, you know, originally had, which I'm not necessarily mad about, because in between Peyton Royce and, um, Lacey Evans, really, who else do they have at this point to take their place, so they're doing that now, and honestly, I'm not really, you know, convinced that Team Raw is gonna come away with the win against Team SmackDown, because on Team SmackDown, you now have Natalia Bailey um the riot squad and bianca belair and they actually have a little bit more of a united front but i'll discuss more of that on on the smackdown recap but i'm just not convinced that team raw is gonna you know come away with the victory this time so um that's really all what happened with that and then also with the women you had um an encounter between N nikki cross and alexa bliss and these two have just been you know, back and forth with each other ever since, even after Alexa Bliss said that she was going to choose The Fiend over, you know, her friendship with Nikki Cross. But Nikki still feels like Alexa Bliss can be saved. So during the segment in which, um, during the segment in which The Miz came out to talk at Bray Wyatt, Bliss came out to make sure that the, um, that the match was going to still, you know, go as planned. But then Nikki tried to interrupt her and tell her, you know, yo, I know you're still in there, you know, it's okay. And then Alexa Bliss was like, yeah, you know, it seemed like she had came back a little bit, but then she proceeded to attack Nikki Ross. And then they both started fighting one another 
as Bray Wyatt came out for his match. And then we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But it was just, it's just so sad to see this relationship sort of just fall apart now, simply because Alexa Bliss has now been possessed by the Fiend and now she's, you know, the Fiend's Harley Quinn now. So that was pretty sad to see. And that's pretty much all that really happened with the women. Um, Like I said, I'm not really convinced that Team Raw is going to come away with the win in terms of the women, but, you know, we'll see. But then we also have Asuka versus Sasha Banks um, in their champion versus champion match. And and Asuka basically said that she, that Sasha Banks, you know, will never be ready for her. So there we go with that. So the show started with Drew McIntyre opening, um, the show to address, you know, um, Roman Reigns and how he basically got in his face last week on SmackDown and said he was going to face him after he beat Randy Orton for the WWE title tonight. And, he called out Roman for putting him on a pedestal, you know, over everybody else. But then Randy Orton interrupted on the Titantron and he explained that he was, you know, too good to lose or be phased by any suspension that he may have faced or whatever. Because, of course, a long time ago, Randy Orton was a wild boy and he didn't have that much discipline. So now, you know, he's <laughs> so now he's talking about how he rose above everything he was ever, you know, faced with in terms of, you know, WWE trouble or legal trouble or whatever then the Miz and John Morrison came out and interrupted you know them as Drew McIntyre left and then they explained how they were going to make an impact regardless of who won in the May event because the Miz could very well cash in his money in the bank contract and win the match and go on to face Roman Reigns of Survivor Series this money in the bank briefcase is always a wild card because you just never know what could happen there and then they said that Bray Wyatt was afraid of them, you know, as long as they held control over the WWE Championship that no one else did. Now, y'all know that Bray Wyatt slash The Fiend isn't scared of anybody, especially two, you know, bumbling dudes like The Miz and John Morrison. They're calculating, but they're still goofy and bumbling in terms of going up against someone as mean, as menacing as The Fiend. So we're going to get more into that a little bit later as well. Then we had the Raw Tag Team Championship match between the New Day, Kofi and Xavier, versus the Hurt Business in Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. MVP basically came out and explained that the Hurt Business needed to represent Raw um, because their group was the best of the best. And they said that, and they were basically underestimating the New Day um, and saying that they were not the best of the best to face the Street Profits come Survivor Series. Sheldon Benjamin promised that he and Cedric would defeat the Street Profits of Survivor Series while Bobby Lashley was going to take out Sami Zayn in their champion versus champion match. But then Kofi and Xavier were not impressed. Then um, as the match started, the Hurt Business started trying to slow down and dominate you know, Kofi Kingston hitting an impressive top rope famous slash power bomb combination. It was really cool. And then um, Kofi fought out with a tilt-a-whirl DDT to get the tag to um, Xavier Woods. And then Woods went off with a whole lot of momentum clearing the ring of both of them of Cedric and Shelton and I really feel like he is just so underrated and he deserves more praise than he gets for his wrestling ability it's like he's the talker of the group but he definitely deserves better in terms of his wrestling abilities I would love to possibly see him in a singles run maybe you know since they're giving singles runs to Big E and Kofi give Xavier one give him a good one that would be cool then um 
there was an impressive dropkick um, from Cedric Alexander, and they almost won the match with that. But then Kofi survived an angle slam and a, uh, from Shelton Benjamin, which I thought was a huge, cool flashback moment, and a brain buster, and then set up Daybreak for the pinfall on Cedric Alexander. So the New Day were able to retain their Raw Tag Team titles, and now they're going to go on to face the Street Profits in their champion versus champion match at Survivor Series, which I'm excited about. But all in all, I really feel like this tag team match was a great showing of black excellence um <laughs> here and of course the tag team match you know as survivor series will be a great show of black excellence as well we're going to talk more about that in the smackdown recap so that was a really cool match to look at then we had team raw versus retribution um <laughs> so of course you have the people on team raw you have um aj styles Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Braun Strowman, and Sheamus going up against Retribution. You know, this ragtag group of rebels who are just trying to turn everything upside down. Um, before this, Jeff Hardy got in Elias's face and he attacked him and told him to drop the accusations and he grabbed his beard, you know, while getting in his face. And I thought that was really menacing. I know if I had a beard and if somebody was grabbing me by it, I'd feel very threatened. <laughs> So, but thankfully, I don't ever have to worry about that. So there we go. AJ Styles gave them matching raw t-shirts to make themselves look like a united front, which I thought was cute, but they really weren't interested in that. So um, also during this segment, there was something that was really funny. It was a funny interaction between AJ Styles and his bodyguard, Jordan. Um, he asked Jordan, he basically asked Jordan, you know, how was it that he was able to talk to um Seamus or I believe it was Keith Lee and then he was like why are you talking to him and he was like and he was like do you even speak English and then Jordan was like of course I speak English and he was like what I didn't know this and then Jordan was like you never asked and then he was like I have so many questions and he sounded so he sounded so concerned about the fact that he did not know that Jordan could speak English so now I guess we'll see them talking more now that he knows that he knows English but yeah I thought that was really funny um then um AJ Styles was on commentary during this match but then he had to go meet Braun Strowman and Sheamus as the two argued with each other he tried to calm down the tempers because he's basically declared himself the captain of Team Raw um but then they were able to calm down as Retribution isolated Matt Riddle for a bit and then he faced the aggressive energy of T-Bar, Mace, and Slapjack and of course they were guided by Mustafa Ali so this was a really interesting um, concept because you had Retribution who seems like they're more united than Team Raw is currently at this point but they're not facing Team Smackdown so we're gonna leave them alone then Keith Lee got the hot tag and then ran over um, Retribution with a whole lot of focus and a whole lot of aggression there but then um, Sheamus and Strowman got back into the fight but then got back into the fight of the match but then they couldn't stop fighting amongst each other enough to focus and then um, Mustafa managed to roll up Matt Riddle after knocking him into the into Braun Strowman to steal the win. So Retribution won this match, and I'm glad they did because here lately it seems like they would talk so much crap about beating everybody up, you know, outside of the ring. But from an in-ring perspective, they weren't winning anything. So this was it was nice to finally see them win a match in ring, even though it was a little bit nefarious because they were taking advantage of the fact that Team Raw just isn't, you know, on the same page. So, <laughs> um, 
I feel like Team Raw is just going to have to pull it together before Sunday so they can, you know, try and come out with a win against Team SmackDown. So, yeah, I feel like this is the one match that it could be a wild card here. It's like either one could win because you have so many strong um, strong players in this match on Team SmackDown and on Team Raw for the men. But we'll see how it's going to come together. Um, and then after that, we had Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. And then Bray Wyatt called out The Miz on the Firefly Funhouse show. And he's. And then there was this really funny part of the Firefly Funhouse where um, Bray Wyatt was training. And then he did a whole spelling bee thing. And then somebody, and I think Alexa Bliss asked him to spell the word, um, forgive me for cursing, but jackass. And then he spelled it M-I-Z. And they said that was correct. And I thought that was so funny because I was just like, oh, that's so rude. Um, so the Miz, like I said, tried to talk Bray Wyatt out of the match. But then Alexa Bliss, you know, made clear that the match was still going to happen. But then they had she had a fight with um, Nikki Cross. And then as the match got started, the Miz took control really early. But then he couldn't keep Bray Wyatt down, of course. And then he rallied, you know, especially after Alexa Bliss launched herself at John Morrison. Like she jumped from <laughs> like she jumped out of nowhere onto John Morrison and flipped him over like and flipped him over the barricade and into you know the digital audience and I was like whoa she looked like a whole spider monkey I thought that was really funny and then Bray Wyatt caught the Miz in the corner and hit the sister Abby for the win and then as he was celebrating the win with Bliss you know they walked up you know the ramp holding hands and then the fiend you know was staring down at them you know so I guess the spirit of the fiend was staring down at them as they you know won this match or whatever so ha 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 creepy then um something that was really beautiful to see because I'm a girl Angel Garza had a backstage promo dressed in a suit with a rose talking about how a beautiful woman you know is like a rose and a thorn is like a man to protect her and I can protect you you know and all this other stuff and I'm just like Angel you are so gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> but then it was also met with a twinge of bittersweetness because every time I look at Angel Garza now, I just get reminded of the fact that Zelina isn't there anymore. And I also get reminded of the fact that Andrade is out and we don't know what show he's going to be on. That is if he comes back, like they didn't even draft him at all. They didn't draft him to any show. And now Zelina's gone. And I, and it was, and what's so funny is I believe I was incorrect in this assessment in the fact that I didn't think that it would be in a situation where Zelina would be gone and Andrade would be undrafted and disappeared and Angel would be left behind and be the only one left standing. But I've been saying all year that I really feel like Angel Garza can come out a star, but I didn't think it was going to be like this under these type of dire straits at all. Um, it's really sad. Um, so, yeah. Then um, we got to the main event involving Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. And before this match um, got underway, Sheamus, who um, is friends with Drew McIntyre, met him, you know, backstage with this giant leather case. And um, he gave it to him saying, you know, this should help you, you know, get your get your mind right in order to win this match. And he opened it and it actually had, you know, 
an ancestral connection and he was able and it had a sword in there number one and then number two it had a kilt and it sort of was a callback to what he what he used to wear when he was in WWE the first time um to represent his Scottish roots so he put on the kilt came out there with the sword and he looked so hot <laughs> he looked so hot like I mean, I saw an older picture this week of him wearing the kilt, you know, and he looked like a baby then because he had his, you know, face shaven and all that. He had a clean face with his long hair and he looked okay. But now, now that he's all buff and looks like a whole grown man with all the hair on his chest and the hair on his face and the hair on his head with that kilt and the sword, I was like that this is a Scottish hottie right here. Yes. Oh, I enjoyed it and I'm gonna enjoy um, Sunday, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Randy <laughs> wasn't interested in talking before, you know, his match, um, with Drew. So he just kind of just stormed out there ready to fight. Um, but he made, but Drew made his entrance with the sword and the kill and it was really cool. He came out there with fire and everything. It was really amazing. I was like, I felt like he was just so believable in that role, you know, as the Scottish warrior. So, Hey, Drew McIntyre is here to stay y'all. Um, so during the match, there was a point where Randy Orton, let me calm down. Randy Orton (laughs) tried to run away from the match and win via count out so he could still retain his title. But Adam Pierce, possibly the greatest, um, authority figure ever in WWE history announced that this match would have a definite winner and that there were going to and there weren't going to be any countouts or disqualifications. So, once that got, you know, underway, Orton shifted his focus and took advantage and he grabbed every weapon he could to take down Drew McIntyre. He used a steel a steel chair and steel steps you know and he tried to wear him down you know over and over again and he blasted him repeatedly on the announce table but then while you know Drew had taken this really bad beating he refused to stay down and they battled back to the ring where McIntyre nearly caught Orton with a backslide followed by the future shock DDT and then McIntyre knocked him off the apron through a table and he finally got the momentum back as he tried to close in on winning this match but then um Randy Orton countered you know the Claymore kick into a power slam and then he planted him with a draping DDT off the announce table followed by a second DDT in the ring but then finally Drew McIntyre hit him with a with a final attempt at the Claymore and he was able to win his championship back so now Drew McIntyre is now the new WWE champion and he's going to go on to face Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. And this is what I wanted. <laughs> this is 100% what I wanted all day long. Like, let's go. I'm so excited. So, yeah, we're going to have a battle of the beefcakes, the long haired beefcakes, the Scottish warrior versus the tribal chief. Y'all, I am so ready for this match at Survivor Series. This is going to be lit. And that's the end of the Raw recap. So now we're going to go into a slightly amended NXT and AEW recap. Okay, so... I'm going to talk about the components of NXT and AEW that I did see 
Um, so Wednesday, I didn't get a chance to watch um, NXT or AEW in their entirety because I was participating in a Survivor Series block party chat room um, event with Tyron Asbury, Miranda Morales, Derek Gamble, and Rob Williams. And they all have amazing wrestling podcasts that I will talk about a little bit later. And we are a part of a family and a message thread um, on Facebook. And we all support each other, you know, as we, you know, find our way through this wrestling podcasting landscape. And they've definitely been helping me over the past couple of months, you know, um, and it's been greatly appreciated. So during this um, chat, well, let me first of all talk about the parts of um, NXT that I saw. I saw that Leon Ruff was still the um, NXT North American champion um, and that Johnny Gargano is probably going to run after him and Damian Priest is going to run after him. And so it seems like Leon Ruff is a hot commodity now. And it's so good to see because he literally just jumped from being a jobber, you know, to being an actual, you know, trainee in the performance center to now being a champion. And I'm so proud of him, you know, yay, Leon. Um, and I also saw the part of NXT where Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley, you know, faced each other for the NXT Women's Championship. And that match was absolutely fire, like sheer, pure, unadulterated fire. But then again, the women of NXT are always fire anyway, so I wasn't really surprised. Now, something that I was um, surprised about was definitely the result, because out of these two women, you never know who exactly is going to win. And I think that's the beauty of the women's division in NXT. It's always a wild card. You never know who's going to come out the victor in these types of matches. Rhea Ripley definitely had something to prove as someone who won the championship but then lost her way um once she lost the championship to charlotte flair at wrestlemania and then io shirai wanted to prove to herself that she wasn't just gonna let rhea ripley run all over her and she was gonna retain her title to say you know this is my title now and i'm here to stay right now it's as long as this champion with longevity and they both showed the best of themselves in this match now i was a hundred percent surprised that rhea ripley lost <laughs> Um, I was surprised that she lost um, because she just had a whole lot of, you know, momentum going into this match. Um, and now EO has retained. And then after the match ended, they showed each other respect and hugged one another and held each other's faces, which I thought was really beautiful. I always love it when the opponents, you know, show their respect to one another and sort of break kayfabe in that way. Um, and then Rhea Ripley, you know, left. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if she's gone, then what is she going to do now? You know, she's done everything on NXT. She's faced Raquel Gonzalez. You know, she's faced some of the best of the best. She beat Shayna Baszler. Like, what more can she do? You know, she's all, She's also been on NXT UK. She was the NXT UK Women's Champion. You know, like, what more can Rhea Ripley do? Is she going to get called up? You know, I was thinking that she might have been put on the Survivor Series team for SmackDown because they had two um, openings there. But that wound up not happening. So what's up with Rhea Ripley? What's going to happen now? So I think, you know, the future is always bright for her, you know, because she has so much to offer. So I'm not worried, but I was always thinking, you know, what's up, what's going to happen now? And then after that match, you had Finn Balor come out, you know, and congratulate them on their job well done because they were the main event um, in terms of the matches. 
And he came out to address sort of like the state of the NXT championship since he's been out and injured because he got his job broken in his match against Kyle O'Reilly at TakeOver. But then he got interrupted by Pat McAfee, Oni Lorcan, Danny Burch, the NXT Tag Team Champions, and Pete Dunne. And of course, they were out there, you know, gallivanting, talking about, you know, how they run NXT, you know, and how, you know, if they don't give the title to, you know, if Pat, Mac Pat McAfee was saying, if you don't give the title to me, you know, it's going to, you're going to wind up exactly like Killian Dane and like, you know, the Undisputed Era and all that other stuff. But then Finn Balor basically said that he didn't come alone and then the lights went out and then the Undisputed Era came back all dressed in hoodies and black jeans or whatever to beat the crap out of them. And I was so glad because I believe during this NXT show, they were beefing up um, War Games, which is happening next month. And I was really excited for that to hear that and to, you know, read about that, you know, going into it. So I was like, yes, I am so glad. And then Adam Cole, there was a point where Adam Cole kicked the crap out of Pat McAfee. And you could hear it from the mountaintops of Kilimanjaro. It was so cool <laughs> i was like whoa like it's been really interesting to sort of see this new ragtag group you know put together by pat mcafee who i guess is now adam cole's new you know one true person in terms of being a rival and to watch them sort of come back you know and beat them up finally like i was so glad it just it just oh oh my god it was so satisfying and i cannot wait to see them go at it at war games or as William Regal likes to say, war games. I'm so pumped. And I also know that Team Shotzi is going to kick the crap out of whoever Candice LeRae is going to choose for Team Candice. So I'm really excited about war games. War games is one of my favorite takeovers ever, and I cannot wait for it to happen. Also, with the AEW women, because I feel like I feel like it was meant for me to see all the women stuff. Um, Thunder Rosa, who I had on my show a couple episodes ago, you know, shout out to her and everything that she's doing, um, had a rematch against Serena Deeb for the NWA women's title. And that match was really good, too. Like, I enjoyed every inch of it, you know. Here lately, I'm trying to, you know, dabble in and out of AEW, you know, from time to time because I want to sort of expand my wrestling um, taste and my wrestling exposure. So I really enjoyed that match. You know, I was watching to support her, definitely. Um, I was really impressed with Serena Deeb because, you know, I hadn't really seen her fight or I myself hadn't really seen her fight since she was in the Mae Young Classic that time and she impressed me even then but it had been a while since I had seen her fight and I just love you know thinking about the fact that a long time ago she was a part of the straight edge society with CM Punk you know and um Luke Gallows so it's amazing to see that evolution you know just go from that to being a wrestler and now being a champion but I was really hardly I was hard in my rooting for Thunder Rosa because I wanted her to you know retain and this match was really impressive you know athletically like there is absolutely nothing I feel like that Thunder Rosa can't do at this stage um so I'm gonna sing the praises of both of them and then Serena D wound up um retaining her title but then after she had retained her title well before she had retained the title and won the match there was interference from um Brit Dr. Britt Baker um and she tried to get in the face of Thunder Rosa and tried to sabotage the match you know for you know for her and then after that happened you know and after the match ended Thunder Rosa you know got in Britt Baker's face and threw her 
out of the audience and proceeded to beat the crap out of her and everybody you know had to break them up and everything but I'm just like I'm really intrigued because I want to know what is it that Britt Baker wants with Thunder Rosa and how this is going to happen and how this is going to play out and I feel and I also feel, you know, in terms of the women's division, you have Brandy in a feud with Jade Cargill and Jade Cargill tried to break her arm with the chair, if not did break her arm with the chair. So that was really interesting, you know, so I'm really interested in seeing what that back and forth is going to be like, too. So I feel like now, you know, it's a start with their women's division in AEW because one of the biggest complaints this year about AEW was the fact that their women's division did not have a whole lot, you know, to offer. Um, their AEW women's champion is still, you know, notably missing from television a lot of the time. But at least they have these, you know, other stories to sort of keep you interested with their women's division as well, which is something that I do find that WWE tends to struggle with just a little bit because it's like outside of their main title scene, it's like the women aren't necessarily in anything of purpose. And I think that's something that AEW is trying to tap into now with their with their women's division now that doesn't necessarily involve a title. So I think that's really interesting, you know, to contrast those two things. But those are the things that I did see on NXT and AEW. But I also wanted to use this segment to talk about um, my Survivor Series block party experience with my friends that I mentioned earlier. Um, so Tyron Asbury has his podcast called Talk Between the Ropes, and we connected a couple of months ago, and he wanted us to get together for a block party to talk about our Dream Survivor Series matches, and we all talked about, you know, our dream scenarios of what we would write creatively for our Dream Survivor Series teams, and my team, I think, was probably, my teams were probably the longest <laughs> to describe because I just put together so many people who I thought could work really well together amongst the men and the women and I separated my brand and stuff and it was really cool to listen to everybody's um teams because I know Rob's team was like a team that was sort of like you had like a demon team and it was just really cool because he had like Kane in there he had the Undertaker in there he had Bray Wyatt in there like a lot of you know dark you know scary people in a team and it was just really cool to listen to them and how they came up with their teams you know collectively and another thing that we talked about was you know what we were grateful for since Thanksgiving is next week um we talked about all the things that we're grateful for in terms of um our podcast and I felt you know moved to sort of talk about you know how I started this thing when I had lost my job earlier this year and how creatively I just fear, you know, well, since I have all this time, I may as well just try this and how I'd been thinking about doing a podcast for like the past couple of months anyway, but just never really had time to do it until right then. And I think something that's just blown my mind is just how this thing has grown and how people have been so willing to help me, you know, in this process and these are people from all over the country and in some circumstances all over the world who are interested in whatever it is that I'm doing as a new podcaster and willing to answer any questions that I might have in terms of booking interviews in terms of format and just in terms of what we think about wrestling as a whole and also the fact that these wrestling podcasters have allowed me to want to grow more in my knowledge of wrestling because I tend to stay in one lane um, as a WWE fan 
because I've been consistently a WWE fan since I, for so very long. And for a while, there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of everything to watch, you know, like it is now. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't access to, let me say that, there wasn't a whole lot of access to Ring of Honor or a lot of access to um, New Japan. And there definitely wasn't a mainstream um, promotion to sort of rival WWE, even though you had Impact or TNA, and then and then now you have Impact, you know, and then you also now have AEW. There's so much more out there, and listening to these podcasters and you know congregating with them, you know, more and more over the past couple of months has inspired me to sort of expand my horizons a bit and see, you know, what more is out there. And I also talked about how grateful I am of the idea that I'm talking, you know, to wrestlers. Um, because even though a few years ago, you know, at meet and greets and also at after live events that would come through here in Birmingham, a few years ago, I was, I was actually getting to talk to them and get autographs from them and whatever. And I also credit my boyfriend for that because, you know, he was the one who told me to have patience and wait, you know, for whoever's going to come out because I was always trying to see one specific person. And if I wasn't going to see that one specific person, then the whole night was a waste. But he said, no, just wait. And that was when Rich Swan came out and actually signed my women's title. And I was actually telling him how great he was. And then over the course of the last few years, I've actually been able to meet wrestlers, talk to them, get autographs from them, um, meet Ric Flair and all that other you know, amazing stuff, even meeting Charlotte at that meet and greet that time. And now I'm in a place where what I do and how I talk to talk about wrestling is opening doors for me to talk to other wrestlers outside of, you know, WWE and stuff. And it's just such a huge blessing because I feel like my inner child is meeting with my adult self and there's a purpose behind it. And it feels so good because for a while there, and I'm not going to get deep off into it. I was kind of lost after I graduated from college. And now I feel like for the first time I'm building something that can actually last and can, you know, open doors for me in a thing that I have loved since I was a child. Like I've always wanted to talk to wrestlers, you know, because they look like cool people or because they look like superstars or superheroes. But the beautiful part is it's like you find out that the people who look like superheroes are really people just like you once you do get to talk to them. And I feel like that's the greatest blessing in all of this is that I'm just really grateful for the fact that my inner child gets to talk to these superheroes, but then my grown up self gets to see that they're humans just like me. And... I hope that this can continue to grow, you know, and I can continue to talk to more professionals like Devin Christensen and more people like Promise Braxton and more fans like my boyfriend and like Jared Hicks and Ramsey Williams, who were on my show in the first season. And I just I'm just grateful for it all. And I hope that even in the midst of this pandemic and this crazy time, um, I can continue to grow and help it to be the best that it can be. And I'm going to end this segment by saying that saying something that my pastor, you know, started off saying once this pandemic actually started is that the pandemic doesn't change the promise. And if there is anything that you are wanting to go for, whether it be a business or whether it be um, an artistic pursuit, you know, making music or selling clothes or, you know, doing this or just starting anything that you wanted to start 
please do it, you know, regardless of the circumstances, because you never know what can come from it. You never know who's actually listening. You never know who's actually paying attention to you and actually feel inspired by you and your journey. Even though you feel like you're not doing anything in the beginning, you're actually doing something and you're actually sparking the next mind to do something and to try something that they never tried before. So don't ever give up on yourself just because outside circumstances look rough right now. Don't give up from within. The pandemic doesn't change the promise that any higher power that you believe in has on your life. Don't ever give up. You have value and you are worthy. And that's the end of this um, segment. And now, and I also um, recommend that you please listen to their shows. Tyron has a show called Talk Between the Ropes. Derek Gamble has two shows. He has Rap and Wrestle and he has Wrestling IQ 101. Please listen to him. Miranda Morales has about four different shows, but the two that pop out in my head right now are the chairshot.com or at chairshot media and the Miranda show with Greg DeMarco. And um, Rob Williams has his show called the Bob Culture Podcast. Please listen to them. They're amazing people. Please buy their merch. They're amazing people. Um, if you love wrestling podcasts or if you're looking to learn more about wrestling, you know, and you don't just want to listen to me, please listen to them. And that's the end of this segment. And now we're going to recap SmackDown. All right. And for the last weekly recap, we're going to talk about SmackDown. This was the final SmackDown before Survivor Series, of course. And so we're going to discuss the women. Um, Natalia was mad <laughs> that she wasn't just put on the Survivor Series team and she had to fight for her place, you know, on the team. And Adam Pierce wasn't having it. He was like, yo, just go wrestle your match because it's next. And she had to fight Tamina in order to qualify for the um for the team. And Bianca Belair was actually on commentary for this match. And then along with Bailey, who came out and superimposed herself as the captain. And for every time that Bianca Belair was trying to talk, it was almost like Bailey was trying to overtalk her and make it seem like, you know, she was deserving of being the the champion. Well, not the champion, but the captain and all this other stuff. And y'all need to just do what I say and all this other stuff. And she was clearly irritating um, Bianca. But Bianca was just trying to, you know, keep a united front for the sake of Team SmackDown and stuff like that. So after Natalya won her match against Tamina, they came out there. The rest of the team came out there as Bailey, you know, was goading everyone to come out there, you know, and celebrate with her, you know, as the new team member or whatever. But Bianca was just going to sit there for a second because she was like, no, Bailey, you can't tell me what to do. I'm OK. But then she finally, you know, went up there and then um, they held hands and then the ride squad came out there and then they all held hands and celebrated, you know. Um, looking that they're going to have a united front, but I feel like their discord was only planted a little bit. Like their discord was only like, had like seeds into it. And I think the best part about SmackDown is the fact that sometimes they like to plant seeds as opposed to just going all out, um, with the betrayal and stuff like that, which it seems like Raw keeps doing. It's like, they keep showing these teams can't work together, but we'll see if they can pull together for Survivor Series. It's like, you almost believe that team SmackDown is going to come out, you know, the victor because they actually have the better female team and they kind of do. So I'm actually, you know, I'm always going to be on team SmackDown side. Um, except for when it comes to the tag team match between 
the New Day and the Street Profits because I feel like, you know, anybody could win out of that. But I'm always going to be on Team SmackDown because that's, you know, that's my show. So, um, yeah, so that was pretty interesting there. And also with the women, you had Sasha Banks sort of come out and her and Asuka, you know, had a sort of verbal back and forth between each other as Michael Cole sort of, you know, tried to mediate or whatever. But then actually they kept going back and forth at each other. And then, then it's like right when Sasha Banks had her back turned, Carmella attacked her. And something that somebody on Twitter pointed out was the fact that they thought it was funny that Sasha Banks came out there dressed up in the whole gangster blue um bandana type of look looking like a big crip and then Carmella came out there dressed in all red like a blood and I was just like oh my god <laughs> like it was just so funny but you couldn't deny that Sasha's outfit give you gave you big crip vibes and the fact that it matches her hair and the title is just like whoa it's just so cool plus I think it's you know kind of cute you know how Snoop Dogg um you know, is her cousin and he is a crip, you know, he doesn't mind telling people that he was, you know, doing that type of lifestyle, you know, that she would actually embrace that component of herself. Also, she's from California. So it was just really interesting to see that. But this is no disrespect to anybody that participates in that life. I'm not, I love y'all. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it was just really cool to see her dressed in that sort of outfit and sort of embracing that part of herself. Um, not saying that Sasha Banks is a crip. She isn't. She was only dressed like one. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, Carmella attacked her and then Oscar was just kind of staring at her, you know, and just staring at it happen. And I think what's irritating about this for me is the fact that Carmella keeps attacking her and not telling her why. And I just want to know what Carmella's motivations are other than proving she's untouchable. Okay, you can be untouchable and attack somebody from behind, but can you be untouchable when you attack them in the ring though? like face-to-face woman-to-woman like girl what you gonna do when Sasha Banks comes for you um so yeah that was a pretty interesting part but Asuka and Sasha is going to be a really good match this Sunday at Survivor Series because every match they wrestle against each other is always really good they bring out the best in each other so I'm really excited about that so that's pretty much all that happened with the women um outside of Aaliyah sort of being at ringside to support Murphy in his match with Seth Rollins, but I'll get into that a little bit later. So SmackDown started, I think, because I was just coming in the house. Um, SmackDown started with Big E and the Street Profits having an encounter backstage, um, which led to them having their um, tag team match where it was the New Day and the Street Profits um, versus Robert Roode, Dolph Ziggler, King Corbin, and Sami Zayn. And um, after the promo the match took place because all the heels came out you know to get into the new day's face but then the street prophets came out and saved them and then um there was this really impressive part where kofi kingston hit a cross body from the top rope and then accidentally hit montez ford which caused issues between the teams sort of feeding into that feud and then despite the miscommunication um the street prophets were able to hit the victory with Montez Ford hitting his patented amazing from the heavens, um, as Corey likes to say, um, frog splash onto um, Sami Zayn. And they won the match. And then after they won the match, they held up their titles at each other to sort of, you know, prove 
to sort of give off the impression that the both of them are going to give each other all kinds of heck Sunday. And I'm really excited. Here again in the tag team division, you have more black excellence here. So I'm really excited about that. Then we had a segment where um, Daniel Bryan was backstage talk, uh, getting ready to talk to Kayla and Sami Zayn came out there, you know, to try to confront him or whatever. But then Daniel Bryan pushed him down and shoved him to the ground. But then Zayn was he left the area saying that Daniel Bryan was lucky he was focused on facing Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series. Um, but then Daniel Bryan went on to have his interview talking about his issues with Roman Reigns lately. And Jay Uso, after being attacked by Jay Uso after their Survivor Series qualifying match several weeks ago. And he kept saying that it wasn't going to be personal because Jay Uso said it wasn't personal. You know, that it was just, you know, I guess business or family business or whatever. And Daniel Bryan was talking about how upset he was, how he had to come home after being attacked and watching his daughters, you know, cry every time, you know, she saw him or something like that. And it was just kind of sad to hear um, because if anything Daniel Bryan is good at, he's good at making you feel, you know, feel sorry for him as babyface and make you feel like he's going to come at you and get back at you for whatever it is that you may have done to him. So that was really cool. Then we had Adam Pierce, you know, announcing that Otis and Bailey were going to be on the teams. And Otis was back there, notably, with Chad Gable, who's now taken on this sort of dastardly trainer um, attitude backstage. He It hasn't translated to an in-ring component just yet because it hasn't he hasn't had a match since he's had this character change from Shorty G. But I guess now he's training Otis to sort of be his best self. So I guess now he's going to sort of, you know, show himself... Um, approved in the team smackdown match against team raw for the men so that's still an interesting component to look at you know there then we had the match between murphy and seth rollins which was absolutely amazing here um murphy came to the ring escorted by Aaliyah, his girlfriend and the mysterio family before being by being jumped by seth rollins at the start of the match um, then there was a point where Seth, you know, was attacking Murphy and he tied him up in the ropes and he tried to grab a kendo stick from under the ring. But then Rey Mysterio wasn't having it and saying, you're not going to beat up my future son-in-law. So <laughs> then Seth, he didn't say that. I just said that because I'm goofy. Um, Seth Rollins then attacked Ray and then he and then he attacked Dominic before Murphy freed himself only to be knocked down to the floor by Rollins, who then began to stalk Aaliyah as she fell to the ground like he was going to do something to her. And I'm just thinking like, bro, what you going to do to this girl? What you going to do? What are you going to do to her? You're not going to try it. Um, then the show went to commercial and it came back from commercial and Seth Rollins and Murphy were back in the ring wrestling as normal. And then something that I thought was interesting was the fact that Seth hit his Falcon Arrow. And usually that's a finisher, but Murphy kicked out of that. And then Rollins then um, tried to hit him with a stomp. And then he also kicked out of that too. And then finally, uh, Murphy was able to hit an incredibly impressive and crisp looking Murphy's Law in order to win the match. And I think that is so amazing and important for somebody like, you know, Buddy Murphy. For, um, because... You know, he was the cruiserweight champion, you know, a couple years ago. But a lot of people don't ever mention that anymore. And I think that sucks. But he really was a cruiserweight champion, you know, and he was always labeled, you know, as the best kept secret. And I remember seeing him, you know, wrestle at NXT when he was there and he had broken free of that tag team and stuff. And he was just 
absolutely amazing and I want to always wanted him to do more so now he has this opportunity to do more you know as a wrestler but then also as a person who's I guess a face now um with the Mysterios and having that rub with the Mysterios and having that ho- that sort of romance and they all celebrated you know after the match was over and then um Sasha Banks came out and interrupted them much to my dad's chagrin because he doesn't like it when people get interrupted so um <laughs> so that was um really good but something that I did find interesting that I did mention in news and gossipish was the fact that they think that there's supposed to be a wedding angle between Aaliyah Mysterio and um Murphy and I'm here for that because I just need me a, I need me a wedding because I haven't been to any weddings this year um so I, I just want to see a wedding so after that um Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns had their Survivor Series contract signing. And then Drew, Drew McIntyre came out, not dressed in a kilt, but dressed in regular clothes. And um, Roman Reigns came out, and then they took and they sat down at the table with Adam Pearce in the ring, sort of mediating that. And then Paul Heyman was in the ring with them as well. And they sat down, and then Reigns walked to the ring and then took a lengthy pause at the bottom of the ramp and then again at the ring steps. But then he forced Adam Pierce to move his seat so that he was able to take the chair at the head of the table because I'm the head of the table. So whatever. Um, then Reigns stared down Drew McIntyre and McIntyre was basically saying that he was going to, you know, beat him and give him, you know, the fight of his life and all that. And then he signed the contract. Then Rome before Roman signs the contract, he stares at him, you know, and, and basically tells him that he knew that he was going to beat Randy Orton on Raw to win the championship. But he also said that um, for for um, a long time, Drew McIntyre has always been the right guy at the right place at the wrong time. And Drew McIntyre said he knew he was going to he was going to try to get in his head like that. But, you know, you just want me to flip a table, you know, and punch and beat you up before the match, because that's usually how contract signings go and then McIntyre said you know he was just gonna do what he was told and show up and you know and and just show up and beat him but then Reigns told McIntyre that he's only a secondary champion and a prop while Reigns is the champion and the face of the promotion I'm the face of the WWE I'm the head of the table I'm the actual champion and he then said that one day Drew McIntyre will love him for the lessons that Rome, that that he taught him and that and that he will love him right back because McIntyre will always be his favorite number two. And I was just like, just seeing Roman Reigns' body language, how he was smiling at Drew, you know, basically looking at him and undermining him, you know, at every turn. It's just like Roman Reigns is just the Samoan mob boss of the WWE. And he was just sitting there at the head of the table saying, you know what? Once this experience is over, you're going to love me and I'm going to love you too. And, but, you know, I'm going to beat you because you're going to always be the number two dude, you know? And it's just like, oh my God, like, it's just so evil, but it's so delicious at the same time. Roman Reigns is probably the best heel they have. (laughs) He's the best heel right now in WWE. 
it's crazy it's so crazy because i never thought that he would ever be healed but now that he is it's one of the most welcoming things that have happened that's just happened this year and i also thought it was interesting how they didn't even talk with microphones too but i felt like it added to the drama of the moment you know and how and the intensity of the moment because they were staring down each other and everything i was just like this fits the exact vibe that they're trying to give you know like i love this i love everything roman is doing i love everything drew is doing this is going to be a great match, y'all. The Battle of the Beefcakes. I'm ready. So, and it wasn't, and didn't, and it didn't divulge into a brawl like the contract signings tend to do. So, the main event was Daniel Bryan versus um, Jay Uso. And Jay Uso wasted, didn't waste any time, you know, in the match before snapping off on him, but then Bryan. And then he took Brian outside of the ring and then cleared off the announce table. Then Brian was able to fire back before Jey Uso could put the table to any type of use, um, much to the horror of Corey Graves and Michael Cole. Shout out to them. Um, they do such a good job. Um, <laughs> then Jey Uso, you know, did a back body drop on Daniel Bryan through the table minutes later. And then Brian... Um, was still dealing with injuries you know to his kidney from Uso's prior attack a couple weeks ago and then he tried to lock in a label lock but then Uso retaliated by hammering him you know in the injured kidneys but then after eating a series of super kicks I thought I thought Jey Uso was gonna win this match based off of the amount of super kicks he was giving Daniel Bryan alone um Daniel Bryan got his knees up on a on a splash from Jey Uso and rolled him up for the win and this is where I really felt like well there i believe they're on team smackdown together this isn't gonna work <laughs> and i also feel like jay uso probably got his butt torn out from under him by roman reigns he was like you made the family look like a fool like i'm pretty sure he's gonna get into jay uso's face so was like bro you messed this up and that's pretty much all that happened on smackdown um and now we're gonna go to the conclusion right so thank you for listening to this episode of the hardy wrestling podcast as you know you can follow me on instagram at hardy wrestling podcast and you can follow me at hardy wrestle pod i want to send a special thank you shout out to devin christensen for coming on my show and i hope that he has nothing but success in his referee slash commentator slash ring announcer life um and I just want to thank all of my listeners for sticking with me, you know, throughout this time. I know it's the holiday season and I know there's still a lot of stuff going on with the pandemic and everything. But I thank you so much for listening to my show and for giving me a chance to introduce you to this crazy world that I'm in love with. I'm still selling my chill, positive and passionate T-shirts um, in the colors of black and white sizes, small through extra large for $20. So if you want a, that T-shirt, you know, I can post it on my socials so you can see it again. Um, and you can, you know, message me if you want one. So thank you so much for listening to this show. I hope you're having a fantastic weekend and I hope you have a definitely a fantastic Thanksgiving if you do celebrate that. And if you don't, that's fine too, because I totally get why. Um, <laughs> and I just hope you're, you know, being your best self this week and you're keeping yourself healthy and safe and you're just, you know, being productive and doing what you can do to make the world a better place. And if you're not being productive, I just hope you're taking care of yourself and resting and doing whatever it is you need to do to you know charge your batteries because who can change the world on an empty battery 
nobody. So <laughs> I just hope you're staying um, safe and being your best self, you know, as this is going on. So this has been the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, your favorite chill, positive and passionate wrestling vibe show. And until next time, bye y'all.